0: that system's working for them and you can clearly see the results on the ice like why not why why break something you know if it why
1: break why break something if, it, if it's wait, not why fixed. Fix <laughs> if it's not broken why don't fix something it? if
0: it's not broken
1: yeah just leave Boy, it alone we are now. good people dealing with words good on us <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome back to Too Many Men. My name is Allison Lucan, and as always, I am delighted to be talking to one of the most recently named All Star <laughs> Weekend influencers, Sarah Sivian, you have just broken some big announcement to us before we started to record. Tell the people why why you will be at your second straight All-Star Weekend this year.
2: Yes, shout out to Destination Toronto. Um, this is going to be such a super cool event. We just got the itinerary for this trip that they are. I'm so grateful they decided to take me on. I'm going to do it justice. I'm probably like, I am so hyped because they have me talking to a lot of women in sports, even the NBA, I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but like NBA, PWHL, there's going to be a lot going on that isn't just All-Star based in my coverage of All-Star Weekend, and I'm so excited to take you guys along. It's my first kind of, well, I went to the White Claw headquarters when I was, I was sponsored say. by White Claw and flying a helicopter. That's right. <laughs> I will not be operating any helicopters here, but I will be actually providing coverage that's pertinent to what I do. So second press trip, and it's gonna be even better than the first one. Thank you, Destination Toronto. Amazing. Hockey's Hockey's official info. Thank you,
1: Destination Toronto. So now will this be, this will be posted on your socials? Is that where people can find your content as you go?
2: Yes, there might be a few tricks up the sleeve. Like I I think mostly social, (laughs) but might write something for um, eliteprospects.com.net. Amazing. Yeah.
1: Amazing. And then maybe you'll give us some boots on the ground video we can share? Yeah, you know it. Okay. Solid. All right, perfect. Sarah, I do have, because you are a well-established journalist and you've been in this industry for quite some time, I just want to ask a clarifying question before I introduce our, our other host. And that is, it's probably a bigger deal and a comment on your knowledge and ability if you are a national writer versus just a beat writer. Is that correct?
2: Yes, especially for what we are talking about over here. Okay,
1: perfect. I just wanted to, <laughs> to, to clarify that. Um, so I would like to introduce someone who has been named not just a national writer, but also is established bestie of Jeff Merrick, who is one of the most respected journalists in hockey. Um, and Shana, you've been full-time at The Athletic for how long? Two and a half. So full time employed, correct? Interesting. Yes. Shayna, say hi.
0: Hi.
1: One of the smartest people we know. Yeah. All right. Well, there's so much going on, y'all, and uh, we're going to get right to it. It is time for what, Sarah? What time is it? It is time for a very
2: special. Bit-O-News, and I'm told that I, this drum is very loud. Trust me, my cat is curious. The dog is yelling, which mission accomplished. Thank you so much for sending this to us. And look, everybody, look at how beautiful this drum is that I'm now in possession of. But we have not unlocked, like, the final frontier to be able to use it because apparently it's not transferring to the mic. Like, I'm trying everything over here. I... I don't know.
1: We'll figure it out. (laughs) We will. (laughs) Our current theory is we might need drumsticks. But let's let's pause here. You've shown off this beautiful drum. Huge thank you to Benny Drawbars, who is the in-arena organist for the Seattle Kraken and longtime friend of the pod. Even played a song riffing on how does this affect the Leafs when the Leafs (laughs) played the Kraken. Um, He said, I have this for Sarah and gave it to me in a box. And I said, oh, that's amazing. And I sent it to Sarah. I didn't open the box. And Benny is so talented musically. And so I figured it was maybe just a drum he had laying around or something. But like, this is incredible. Oh, like what is. a gift of love and support. And we are just so overjoyed. We th- we thank you, Benny. This is fantastic. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll figure out how to make it make actual noise. It's clearly a user problem, not a yes. drum problem.
2: Any sound engineers in
0: the maybe building. Maybe we need a drum microphone? <laughs> uh,
1: who knows? Like,
0: Who's to say? I don't
1: know. Who knows? um all right well let's uh get into it um we're gonna start uh, as you all know we record mostly on Wednesdays uh there has been breaking news coming out over the past 24 to 48 hours in that it was finally announced uh that excuse me the City of London in Ontario um was requesting the in-person appearance of five players who were um allegedly involved in the 2018 sexual assault incident um, as part of the Hockey Canada event there what we also know is that there are five players who have been who've requested and been granted um, undetermined length leaves of absence from their teams they are Philadelphia's Carter Hart New Jersey's Michael McLeod and Cal Foot Calgary's Dylan Dubay and Alex Formanton, who was playing over in Europe. Um, As we went to record, uh, the City of London has said, um, and we understand from people who are much smarter and legal, true legal experts, that it is customary in Canada to allow one to two weeks for these appearances to come to fruition. So this date shouldn't surprise you in that sense. But on February 5th, the City of London police will be holding a press conference um, to discuss more details that's what we know um my first thought was my god my heart still goes out to this woman who has continued to try to bring this story to light and get justice and i hope that these proceedings may bring her some peace um but sarah as this news broke and you know some of the players releases started to come out before the actual story came to light what was your reaction um of course in in some ways it's a positive that we're seeing some traction finally happen hopefully some justice for for the accuser but um still too long what was your what are your thoughts yeah
2: i mean first of all to the point of it being too long before justice and you wonder if this wasn't a higher profile case would there ever be justice right i mean you go back and forth with what that means in terms of high profile but at the same time When people ask, why didn't they report it sooner? Oftentimes, first of all, they did, and this legal process takes time. Second of all, it's so daunting to have something like this going on and on. And like, unless you have gone through this and survived something like this, having to relive it every so often, like in traumatic detail every few months when like another court proceeding takes place or another thing you have to fill out for the case keeps happening. It's like this is horrible for your mental health like the justice system is not perfect in this way and you can go through all of this and not get justice so I just want to say for people who say why didn't they do it sooner this is like what you're seeing it in real life this is one of the reasons but also when the leave of absences started happening and now what has been announced has been announced you have to remember that it doesn't mean that the players that are taking leave of absences were directly involved or even involved at all. I mean, they were probably in attendance of the event and are being questioned, like maybe as witnesses, but maybe as perpetrators, like you don't really know. So I would say not hold off on judgment, like being a bystander, if any of these people were, like is a huge problem in hockey in general and in these sorts of situations. So I would just say, it's really good that justice is being served and that legal proceedings are going on as they should with questioning people that might be involved in any capacity, but it doesn't mean that they were involved in any specific capacity that we could be thinking of. So there's gonna be a press conference Monday from the London police. Okay.
1: February 5th. Okay,
2: so one of the Mondays in whatever February is. um, Detailing whatever they can at this point. So it's gonna be another part of a long process, but we're gonna probably get a little more transparency done.
1: And uh, Shayna, to Sarah's point, we do know that this, this case was originally raised and there was a dismissal back in 2019, and now it finally comes back up again after a lot of crisis and uh, indictment of how Hockey Canada has handled this. What's going through your mind as we, as we wait to Sarah's point to hear what the actual details are that, that the police have determined are relevant?
0: I feel like it's so normal in a situation like this to have, like, a million feelings just, like, swirling through your head. So, like, I am apologizing in advance if I fumble this. Like, I am not the best with clear thoughts, as everybody knows. Um, but the first is, in a sense, like, at least something's finally happening, which is easy for us to say from the cheap seats, right? But it feels like this is a process we've been waiting to see unfold. And not just, it's not for entertainment, it's not for anything else, but to hold people accountable, because if you are playing in the NHL, it's a privilege to have, and you have to earn that. And if you have a bad track record, maybe you don't deserve that coveted position that anyone would, like, kill to have. Um, So it's something we want to see the NHL be held accountable, and I think that's a normal feeling to have, because they generally prioritize skill and ability above (laughs) anything else no matter what the player has done and i think it's important to like hold media accountable too for how they cover this um so to see it come out and be talked about and continue to be talked about even though the nhl had a press release come out about expansion at the same time which nice try i mean their next best bet would be hoping this would come out at a friday 4 p.m and it didn't so they had to do something right um it, it just at least I- i'm hoping this will give the victim closure and i think it's something that hopefully makes other victims feel safer that something happened and it's being taken seriously and steps are being taken to make the situation right all the while keeping her identity private right now which is super important and seems like has been a high priority for her because think about it like nhl fans if you say one thing about their team might be vicious let alone if a player is now taking a leave of absence or faces any sort of consequences so for me like the first thought is like wow this is actually happening and two i hope this is going to bring some sort of peace and healing to the victim in this and anybody who's dealt with sexual assault and is working in hockey because it's the the sport is a mess it the world is a mess but like the sport is such a mess and it's so discouraging to see these things happen and nothing come of it so that that's where my head goes
1: Yeah, we're going to obviously keep our our eyes and ears on this and uh, listen to people who are some of the best in the business at not just understanding um, what the events mean, but also uh, telling these stories in the right way. I think of Rick Westhead, I think of Katie Strang um, and obviously the tremendous work that the legal professionals will do um, as this goes through in other bits. o news. Sarah, you went to your very first PWHL game in person. Tell us how that was.
2: Dude, it was awesome. It was great to see the stands really, really full. And it was great to see kind of the physicality. I know that's new stipulation. Like there's new rules about hits in the PWHL. And it seems like, especially with the post um game conference Hillary Knight was saying like she draws the line it hits to the head obviously and she's enjoying the physicality but this is going to be a new fun debate of a legitimate league right like when it comes to dirty hits what is and what's not I found that interesting I loved the professionalism of it all I don't know I thought it was a great experience I loved seeing People there, like people are way more stylish than they are at NHL games. You saw, like, I saw a lot of vintage WNBA outfits, and I was like, these people-that's awesome. Like, real women's sports heads stand up, and it was great. Um, what else do I have to say about that? Um,
1: are you officially a uh, Team Boston fan now?
2: Oh, uh, they got to get it together. Uh, <laughs> they were telling me, though, like, part of the new league, it's like a completely different format where it's like you're seeing three other teams all the time. And like, you gotta, it's gonna change a little bit as the year goes on and teams get more comfortable with each other, I think. And it's just kind of like a lot, this team in Boston is so stacked that people have trouble finding new roles on like the fourth line. And then they're switching up the Mm -hmm. line so much because everyone's trying to get a feel for each other. And these players that are used to logging a lot more minutes are kind of not Always doing that, so it's kind of Hillary. Knight was saying this. It was a pretty great press conference.
1: Um, She's great. Yeah,
2: she is. So she was just kind of saying to watch out for that. Allison's bestie, <laughs> friend of the pod, uh, Hillary big friend Knight. of the pod. What is great?
1: She did like our sticker when she saw it when she was in Seattle. I should. She
0: knows real ones. Too. That's true. No, and you know she probably listens because everybody loves too many. Men.
1: <laughs> even the haters. Even the haters. <laughs> Um, all right, well, let's let's go then to some bit-o news on the men's side of the game. And boy, we're going to run the gamut of emotions here. I don't even know where to start. Let's start with the big splashy one, and that is that the Islanders have made a coaching change, which I don't know if that was necessarily unsurprising as an option for the team that really has not been able to in my opinion, cement its identity, cement its standing. This year we know that they are having some issues because of the contracts that they have signed, which we are all four players get in the bag, but then you also, as a manager, have to make sure that your roster is constructed for sustainability long term. Coaching change happens and they bring in Patrick Wall? Question mark, exclamation point, shocked face emoji, who did in fact shave his beard. <laughs> to work for Lou Lamorello. Shana, what do you make of this decision for this person to be the next head coach of this specific team and for this specific general manager?
0: Okay. Initially, I was surprised because what we know of Patrick Wall from his NHL experience as a head coach is that he is someone that likes to have his hand in roster construction. And that's fine, right? Some teams have an arrangement where you can do that. Lou Lamorello is not that guy. So <laughs> it, it was just it's it's interesting to me from that perspective and the less than flexible roster that the islanders have so i'm curious how he handles that and it's something that he did say has evolved he said i liked some of his comments he was saying how he was surprised the phone didn't ring after colorado and he had to look at himself and change some things so i'm curious how he's changed from that element of it and i'm also interested to see how he handles it if the team isn't built to play his style because this is a much different team than the Colorado team that he's coached. And obviously he has experience in juniors too, but like what we know of him at this level, um, the Avalanche that first year were a team that played this crazy speed and skill game. Right. And I wonder if the Islanders have that same amount of speed up and down the lineup. So how does he change his tactics? But if you set aside the questions about that, like, It's interesting, because it's a team that needed a change. It felt like Lane Lambert tried to get away from the Trout's identity to to deal with things the Islanders needed, which was more offense, even if it meant less defense. And it seems like it just, their defense the last year has completely broken down, and if they don't have Sorokin being perfect, which he hasn't been consistently this year, and, like, I think he'll be fine, but he hasn't been, it's going to be a problem, and they just don't play a consistent 60 minute game. He's someone who I think players will get up for to play. He brings that fiery energy. He brings the name, just what comes with the name. Like you're playing for this guy, you're going to be excited to. So I think all of that makes a lot of sense, so I'm curious what he brings besides only that like besides the vibes. Like I'm curious what tactics he's going to go with, how it's different from Colorado and how it's different from what this team has now because we know how hard it is to adjust on the fly mid-season anyway.
1: Sarah, your thoughts on this hire. I do, I mean, I think Patrick Waugh is an interesting, fascinating systems coach. This is one of the first coaches to adopt pulling the goaltender early. Lots of other... Like 10
2: minutes left.
1: We love it. I love it. We love it. Sarah, do you think this is going to be a success or a failure ultimately for the Islanders?
2: Yeah, I think he's so interesting and he embraces analytics and he's also kind of this big personality. And I like Lou doing like I I like the move for Lou because it's like okay you're trying something that's kind of completely different than what people would expect he hasn't been head coaching in the NHL in 10 years or in any capacity I don't know um whatever but Lambert I I am really disappointed like I expected him to be kind of the bright spot in the Islanders and it just you it became clearer and clearer it just wasn't a good fit I think he needs kind of a different team I still believe that he's going to be a good NHL coach but I think he needs a different team situation and I mean most coaches would the Islanders the way they've been winning it's clear like from the beginning it was just kind of clear that it wasn't really like Shayna was saying like not really sustainable and then you see the losses and it's like yeah we all it's not like oh my god who could have seen this coming they need a new coach it's kind of like well, they probably did need a new coach for these types of systems, but also this way they were operating with kind of not like the goal differential being negative, the overtime points and blah, blah, blah. People didn't think they were going to be good coming into the season for a reason. They barely changed anything now that they really could. Um, and exactly with Sorokin not being an absolute God, things started to fall apart. We'll see what happens after the new coach bump, but I mean, I hope Lambert lands on his feet in kind of a different, less rigid situation. I feel like there's so much pressure when you join a Lou Limarillo team. And I think Raw has done enough reps and has the personality that he doesn't really, like, give a fuck. He's just going to do what he thinks is right, and it creates an interesting dynamic I'm excited about.
1: Yeah, I— Good friend of the pod, Aaron Porchline. He had a tweet today that just made me laugh. He quote tweeted um, Ethan Sears, who uh, the tweet was: was stressed that he doesn't want it to be a distraction. That he's coaching in Montreal wants as low profile a day as possible tomorrow, which is of course where he was as a <laughs> player for many, many years." And porty just quote tweeted with, "And good luck to you, sir." Yeah,
0: right. Like of all Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal are going to be big markets regardless, yes. but especially. For you like if it were lane lambert yeah it would have been low-key but like sir we all know who you are yes like yes let's be real um question for both of you because we were talking about lambert do you think it hurt him that everyone kind of thought he was going to be barry trotz light because he's been with barry trotz literally for i think 20 years as an assistant coach like is he someone that should maybe go back into the pool as an assistant coach under someone that isn't Barry Trotz, do you think he'll get another head coaching shot? Well, of
1: course he'll get another shot sometime because this is the NHL. But I like ultimately he he is what he shows to to the hockey world. So I don't and I don't think just that tag is going to follow him and be good or bad either way. Um, but let let's move on to another front office situation um and this is not someone who's going but this is someone who is staying and that is jim rutherford got a three-year extension as gm in vancouver and again these are wild times if this had happened last year vancouver probably would have burned itself down Um, but the canucks are really just finding ways to just execute at every single level and the only concern seems to be what moves might they make at the deadline and can they get Elias Pedersen to sign that contract extension but now in this moment this does seem like this might be a good term good long-term plan for longevity uh with the leadership Sarah did this surprise you or do you like this move by Vancouver it
2: doesn't surprise me I like the move I mean it's yeah go off but he didn't really construct like the large majority of this roster so it's kind of like okay I mean congratulations (laughs) like love that for you um I think he's somebody that can come in and isn't afraid to wheel and deal when needed and as this team gets into like a cup window that might be necessary so I like it for that shayna yeah, I mean I think it's fine. I
0: think I kind of like the structure of teams having two different people in the roles of president versus GM because I think it just adds another voice and another like set of checks and balances, which is never bad to have. You have to make a lot of decisions as a GM and as a team president. So, I think sometimes just having that extra voice can be a good thing. Um, and it was interesting because at first in his tenure, it did kind of feel like he was over, like, you couldn't tell, was he overreaching his role? Was he, it felt like he was the GM for a bit, and then he stepped back, and it feels like there's more of a balance in that front office with Alvin, like, being the GM, and Jim Rutherford is clearly the president. So, if that system's working for them, and you can clearly see the results on the ice, like, why not, why, why break something, you know, if it, why
1: break why break something if, it, if it's wait, not fixed? Fix <laughs> if it's not broken why don't fix something it if
0: it's not broken yeah just
1: Boy, leave it alone we are now. good people dealing with words good on us <laughs> <laughs> all right well in something that's kind of sort of related to Vancouver there's been some player changes too uh someone who used to play in Vancouver uh but then played in Columbus getting claimed off waivers uh was goaltender Spencer Martin and columbus has been navigating a three goaltender i don't even know what it's been this season that we talked about last episode they've decided now that they are sticking with elvis merzlikens as their top goaltender and they put spencer martin on waivers and he was picked up by the carolina hurricanes sarah you have continuously talked about goaltending being, being an area of weakness for the Hurricanes. And as their window maybe starts to narrow a little bit more, this was a louder drum that people were beating this season. Is Spencer Martin going to be enough to help the Hurricanes down the stretch? No.
2: And this is why the Canes are so annoying. They'll do <laughs> 700 things until they just like suck it up and do the thing that might actually work. It's like they, and I get that's how they operate because it's like all very calculated. They aren't just randomly scattering to find whoever's out there. It's like, okay, they have like certain lines of, operation that they go through before they swing for the fences and a lot of times that's why they end up looking really smart because they'll have these guys on these cheaper deals that end up working out but it's just it's enough to be a successful team for 10 years it's I don't know if it's enough to win and go to the cup right now and like if they had that mindset you'd think maybe they'd wait a little bit longer and get a good goalie solution but I guess I mean they've got to do something else
1: Shayna is there an option that could help Carolina
0: yes there are so many goalies that could be moved this year but it's like we keep talking about like the goalie market the goalie market XYZ needs a goalie XYZ is available and then nothing happens because goaltending is like the hardest position to analyze and also moving a goalie midseason is so challenging especially if you don't want them to be your number one because they're not going to get that many reps in to me i look at this and i go do they think freddie anderson has a shorter timeline and is going to be back but they only need a stopgap for now or are they just trying to like wait and see and try to be as cautious as possible before they go splashy do they even tend to go splashy like i i'm curious how many goalies actually get moved and if If we start seeing that happen, because, like, there could be a million options available like Markstrom and Allen and um, Gibson, and there's so many different names out there. If they start getting moved and teams like New Jersey go after a goalie or maybe Philly gets another goaltender in the system, depending on how things shake out, like, what happens to the Canes? Do they say, we should get one because everyone in our division is? Or are they going to be like, eh, it's fine, our defense? I don't know. (laughs) Who's to say? We can never, we never truly know, right? Every year we're like, yeah, they're definitely going to go for a score this year. And they're like, here's another defenseman.
1: (laughs) Well, and you know, people who are smarter than us about the position of goaltending always point out that it's arguably the most difficult position to change teams because the system's interplay between how a goaltender needs to react and read plays to do their job is most impacted when they're changing organizations. So something to keep in mind there for sure. Um, Another player who's changing teams and like I swear to God Edmonton like is it literally printed like in your dressing room like sign the really bad people because guess what Corey Perry is your newest Edmonton oiler. Um, Also interesting as a side note there for those who don't remember Corey Perry had his contract terminated by the Blackhawks, and it did seem like the Players Association was going to um, put in a complaint about that, which they have to do from just an overall labor rights perspective. But I mean, really, I don't think Edmonton needs Corey Perry, and yet here we are. Sarah, the signing, what do you make of it?
2: I mean, I saw John Scott's podcast where he said what happened was he got a little too drunk and took a pass on a um, NBC employee of the team. I don't know. I mean if mm. John Scott said it, not me. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I don't know why you get on the yeah, podcast and say that. Let,
1: let me interrupt you real quick there. John Scott has since put out on Twitter that he misspoke.
2: Wow, oh. oh, okay um, classic.
1: He, <laughs> he did not apologize, uh, which is not unrare, but he has come out and kind of taken a step back and I just want okay. that just happened. Okay. So but please continue.
2: So, I don't know, we don't know what did or didn't happen clearly, but I don't think, how many months was this from when he was fired to hired again?
1: It was, he was let. It, no, he was, it was at the end to, of November, so it's not even two months. Yeah. It's like six weeks. What
2: kind of treatment could he have possibly gone under that would have had taken effect right now that he's immediately signed on to another NHL team? I just, that is my main overarching question. Like whatever happened he said he was going to get treatment and get help and it doesn't seem like rushing back into the NHL this season like is conducive to that type of environment like I don't know
1: Shayna, why sign a player like Corey Perry when this team is on one of the longest win streaks in NHL history uh, shout out, by the way, to Sam Gagne, who's the only player in NHL history to be on two different teams who had a winning streak of 14 <laughs> games or more. We love Sam. Um, f- all, from a roster perspective, why even bring this player in?
0: Because they want to make to the Stanley Cup final. And he will get you there. You'll lose it. <laughs> <laughs> oh will get you there. <laughs> so so they're going to hope, all right, if he gets us to the Stanley Cup final, Conor McDavid can take care of the rest. And listen, if you get Conor McDavid in a Stanley Cup final, that man's walking out with a trophy maybe too. Like, that's it's not happening. So I get it. The logic checks out. I'm good. I'm sold. Um, no, like, from a roster perspective, I, I do think that they could use another forward, right? Like, a little, a little more depth at the bottom of their lineup. They're a top, you know, top-heavy team with their top six. We know that. It helps that you have guys like Fogel really um, bringing his game up to what I think we haven't seen in a minute from him. But this player yeah. is your choice. Like... To me, Corey Perry is someone who is not an 82-game season anymore. He is a a half-a-season kind of guy, so I guess he got his little refresh. Like, I don't think he has it in the tank for a full season the way he plays. And the postseason, I feel like he's someone that's going to put you shorthanded a little bit much. You know, do you want that sandpaper? Can he be effective in that role? Can he be a net front player? Sure. But I just feel like there's probably other options out there. And options you can get on a budget. So, maybe they felt like... We need to give someone else a redemption arc because that's the Edmonton Oilers way. But I don't know. I I would be looking for just like a nice, a nice depth player, like a nice person (laughs) depth player. Not saying he's not a nice person. Like I don't know him and we don't know the full situation. So I'm like, I want to be sensitive of that, but I'm just like, please Edmonton.
1: yes it is something all right uh one last bit of player news is a player who's not changing teams but is leaving the ice for the rest of the season um on the 18th the athletics Michael Russo whose work we love um announced uh reading from his tweet um that the Minnesota Wilds captain Jared Spurgeon is having season ending hip and back surgery he's expected to be ready by next season Um, Obviously, the player is going to go on LTIR, and Michael Russo's comment is that he anticipates Bill Guerin will now be in the market for a pending UFA D-man. The Wild, another team that are kind of all over the place, seem to not be trending in great directions, also contract trouble again, and now here they are without a leader on and off the ice. Sarah, what do you make of the Wild's future after this loss from their team?
2: Time to pack it up. Um, it's another pathetic year for the Minnesota Wild. I'm so sick of watching them. I really like hate <laughs> how fun they could be. And then it's just like, everything falls apart. There's just something missing. There's something missing. Maybe it's a matter of Kaprizov, Boldy, Faber just getting older, but I'm just kind of sick of waiting until then.
1: Shayna. Shana?
0: I mean, you got to say that's enough. Like, the Wild have been struggling all year, and some of it earlier in the season was like their defense was slightly worse, and the penalty kill was like a shit storm, and the goaltending was bad. But, like, you're at the midpoint now, and even after you got that new coach bump, you see their numbers, especially their their defensive numbers, like out of control. Jared Spurgeon is such an important player there. He played 16 games this year, and obviously small samples can blow things up, but he was so good in those 16 games. Is it amazing Brock Faber stepped up the way he has? Absolutely. But we even see his numbers mm-hmm. taking a step back over this last stretch. Like, I just think they're too thin to to do anything. And the depth defenseman, could you find someone? Probably. Is this the general manager i trust to bring in what they need? Probably not. Like, this is someone who already brought in Zach Bogosian this year, which it felt like was a step back when they had Addison, who, granted, is flawed, brought more upside. It just feels like at a certain point... You have to say what are we striving for. If we get a depth defenseman, what's our ceiling? Get a wild card seat at best and lose in round one, or just fall short of the playoffs and not get a top pick. Like the best thing a team can do is realize when they're already ten steps behind and just start resetting for next year and give Boldy and Eriksson and Kaprizov and your core players a better shot next year. So you could retool, like the Capitals did last year, like the Blues did the year they the year before they won. And just position yourself better for next year as best as you can because you already signed contracts you probably shouldn't have. So you have fewer rentals to go around, and you have a lot of clauses to deal with also. like, It just feels like you're just waiting for the inevitable to happen. So it it just feels like there's not a realistic approach to like what their ceiling is.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out because, again, that's just another team. I I mean, they're always kind of just – the wild, <laughs> but now they're a very different, they're, they're mild, they're not wild. Ha! Huh? The mild. Wild. Amazing.
0: The Minnesota
1: mild. All right, y'all, it has been a minute, um, but unfortunately, we must make a visit to the shit list. And this week, our shit list falls to people who do not know how to disagree as grown-ups in the year of our Lord 2024. And I want to be very, very clear. I know for a fact that I say things that are not right a lot. And I also very firmly believe that we all get better from debate. We all learn something, we find holes in something we may have thought or not understood. So everyone has the freedom to disagree with any one of us or to challenge us in terms of a thought-provoking conversation or discussion and there are days that any of us on this planet are not at our best. However, just because you don't like what someone says does not mean that you get to attack their character. And that is especially true when you go after one of my two dear, wonderful co-hosts here who are some of my best friends in life. And in particular, that means my dear Shana Goldman, because of all the people I know, (laughs) someone whose character is arguably one of the highest is Shayna Goldman. Now, Sarah and I will talk shit and kick up some shit all day long, every day. But Shayna has worked her ass off to be where she is. Her work ethic, her commitment to her teammates is unparalleled. And particularly if you want to support women in any space, you can disagree with them, you can debate their points, you can comment on maybe they're not giving their best in a moment, but do not attack their character. And by all means, do not make shit up. I want to be very clear that Shayna Goldman has worked very hard for everything she's earned. She is a full-time employee at The Athletic. She is their, one of their two highly most respected national analytics-based writers. Her work is cited all around the world. And she is respected by some of the biggest names in hockey she has broken trades she has broken news before any of the quote-unquote insiders and if you're going to come for her you're going to get us sarah do you have anything to add
2: oh, amen amen and I, somebody said literally like what bothers me is when you call somebody out for saying something almost slanderous and they say well i only have 10 followers i don't think anybody was going to see it we are all just people Follower count doesn't matter. We see things they hurt us, they can harm our career if you're lying about somebody. Like nobody is bigger than some accusation. Like I don't know, it really really pissed me off to see somebody said Shayna it isn't this difficult to work like what the f- first of all this person claims to be a feminist and saying a woman is difficult to work with based on nothing is objective fe- like sexism because that's a stereotype a lot of women who just put actually put their foot down have and it's not even that shana like puts her foot down she's up till three in the morning i mean like any experience i've had working mm-hmm. with her she's happy to go out of her way past her work to do something for one of my stories and that's how it's always been that's how everybody at the Athletic sees her and you can't oh my mom is on the little fake the little uh ring light oh, jesus she's lying on me <laughs> <laughs> sorry it's not Just because you have X amount of followers, you can't just say untrue shit
1: about people. 100%, and again, I will reiterate, this is not a statement that people can't be wrong and can't fall down on their job at any point in time. Disagreement is fully allowed, and as I said, for me personally, I welcome it. I love a good debate, it's how I learn. But debate the idea and don't attack the person. And I will also reiterate that lest anyone think that Sarah and I are saying this simply because We are good friends and we do a podcast together this podcast was born out of working relationships with one another and it was born out of immense respect for the caliber of work that each of us tries to achieve every day so this isn't just besties protecting besties this was founded in people who we think are doing great work wanting to be together and advance each other and advance women's voices so anything else to add anyone
0: you're giving me feelings. I don't know how to process
1: this. Well, of all the people, do not come for Sheena Goldman.
0: I know. If you're going to go for someone, find someone that doesn't know <laughs> how to <laughs> For
1: real. <laughs> like... All right. Uh, let's move on. We have our favorite game to wrap up this episode. Are you guys ready? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. As is tradition, Sarah, you are going to go first. It is time for fuck marry kill you ready for your choices Sarah yes in light of new helmets always coming out we always see little wrinkles with uniforms they make life fun fuck Mary kill three chrome domes that are making their way around the NHL right now and those are the buckets of the Vancouver Canucks the silver domes of the LA Kings and the gold domes of the Vegas Golden Knights.
2: Ooh, I have to say, I am going to marry the Vegas Golden no- Knights gold domes. They are reminiscent of the Notre Dame. Oh my God, they wear those for the hockey team too and they're sick, I just love it. And I know people have like weird opinions about helmets being chrome, but I think they look cool as hell. And I think the gold really matches the gold. In the uniforms, I'm marrying that. I'm fucking the LA Kings for the same kind of reason. I think the gold and silver chrome is always going to just be, like, the elite best. And I'm going to kill the Canucks. But I do appreciate them trying. And it's, like, a different color. But I don't know. Just the gold and the silver always work the best.
1: Shayna, what are your choices?
2: Okay. I'm
0: going to kill Vegas, actually. I like the gold chrome. I like the commitment to gold. I personally thought they looked best with the charcoal jerseys that Vegas had. The original home jerseys that I think were so perfect. I feel like it's a lot, especially with two conflicting golds. It's a lot of shimmer, a lot of shine, and I think that's great and wonderful, but like I rather that be the pop, and I don't think it can be as much with Vegas. Um, oh fuck the kings. I think it's perfect. I, I feel like First of all we don't have a ton of gray or silver in this league and i think that when you have silver there's a difference between silver and there's a difference between gray and i like that the kings are like no we're fucking silver here's our chrome silver here's our sparkly detail silver but it's like it's not overwhelming like it is for vegas i think it just works and i love it with the alternate jersey i'm gonna marry vancouver's i personally think the blue chrome is perfect no notes that's like To me, everything, like I do my nails, I like the blue chrome. Like I, I love blue chrome. I need to preface it that way. And I think it's cool because it's like a nice pop to go with the jersey that I think does kind of underwhelm. And I also love it opposite the matte black that they have for the throwback jerseys, the skate jerseys. Like to me, the matte black with that is like so perfect, no notes. And now you're bringing in another option just to add some intrigue to it and mix it up. Love it. Love it every day.
1: This is hard. It is. I don't I do and you know what I do prefer of the Canucks uniform options they have the black with the matte helmet and and the the skate that is just elite. Don't talk to me about the handwritten letters that people sent to Strombone. <laughs> Did you guys see that? That was yes. hilarious. No. He, he put it was when he in was it, inducted in what do they call their um their you know when they uh oh, this the, the not, t- ring of yeah. honor. And so and it was a night when they wore those uniforms. and at the end he said, like keep the skate or something about the the jerseys. And someone hand wrote a letter like telling him how he was like taking down the franchise for supporting those terrible uniforms. Oh, it's amazing. Go look. you know how I feel about a good
0: handwritten letter. I, that ain't it. <laughs>
1: All right, this is hard. this is hard. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to hmm. Uh, just to shake it up because i can i think i'm going to marry the kings because i do agree i think that silver just pops and to your point Shayna, vegas's gold works better with not the gold sweater i think so i'm gonna marry the kings i just think it's so on brand i think it just works so well with that like monochromatic color scheme that they have already um i'm going to fuck vancouver just because it was fun and new and different and therefore I will, I will kill Vegas by process of elimination.
0: I like that we're
2: all different. It's nice when we have that.
1: We contain multitudes, Shayna.
2: We don't ever have to force it, but it's great when it happens.
1: <laughs> all right, y'all, we appreciate you sticking around with us. We are entering that delightful time of year when the three of us each get some time to try and reclaim our sanity. So we might be away from your podcast dashboard for a little bit of time, depending on the quality of my internet connection where I'll be, but we'll keep you posted. Um, In the meantime, we will be sharing content. Be sure to follow Sarah's journey through All Star Weekend on her socials. And we'll also be sharing all that we can on our socials at two underscore much underscore man on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can also share the Too Many Men brand wherever you are, t-shirts, We don't have a drum yet we only have one and that's (laughs) ours but we have t-shirts sweatshirts glassware hats notebooks all kinds of fun stuff that you can purchase and we take those funds from anything that anyone buys and we turn it right around and give it away to people and organizations who are doing what we ask you all to try and do no matter how big or small of an effort and that is to do something to make sure that hockey truly is for everyone even the haters we will talk to you soon
2: love you (laughs) bye (laughs) my brain is like shut off you made it